LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network. You're listening to the Five Leadership Questions Podcast. My name is Daniel Lim, and I'm here with Todd Adkins. What? And the Executive Director of LifeWay Research, Ooh. Scott McConnell. Howdy. Howdy. There that we go. That sounded way too important for that's, a guy to answer. That's Howdy. super Southern. Howdy. Howdy. He, he said it like a Southerner. Howdy. But you're from Philly. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> I've, got, I've got Western roots, so, yes. you know, a little, okay. little okay. howdy. No, that's good. So uh, we have occasionally here and there had Scott McConnell on, and I guess it's been 31 episodes since we've had him on last, not because it wasn't good. Uh, but because life has gone on, right? So if you haven't checked out any of the other episodes, episode 278, we have uh, we had Scott on to talk about VBS research. 294 was about Bible research. 299, research on the unchurched. 305, on the state of theology. So be sure to go back. And I mean, these aren't just thoughts on the topics. These are research projects really uh, made simple. So that you can apply for it. You validated apply it. research. Yeah, validated. Like, hey, um, what do you think? A BuzzFeed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely not. Or a Twitter poll. Yeah, and today we want to talk about research on the biggest challenges for the church. So thanks for being on the podcast, Scott. Glad to be here. Perfect. So before we dig into that research in particular, let's just share some observations that we've had uh, in our churches, uh, and it doesn't have to be our specific churches that we're members at, but it could be that. And it could also be with all the churches that we interact with and consult with around North America and outside as well. What challenges uniquely have we seen in the last couple of years? And then we'll get into the research. So what are your thoughts? Let me kind of go deep on one. Uh, I, I think today in our culture, uh, when, when we talk to those who are not in the church, mm they really don't see a reason why they should be in church. And so to me, the biggest challenge for the church is those of us who do attend church and we are a part of it. Are we really in love with the church enough that those on the outside would say, I want to be a part of that? Yeah. And are we communicating it? Are we actually feeling that? Are mm. we, you know, to me, that's, that's the biggest challenge. Uh, and, and of course, that's really a microcosm of our relationship with God more yeah. so than, than than the social unit here here mm. on earth. But, you, you know, do we love what God created the church to be? Yeah. And uh, both the mission of that, yeah, the community true. of that, because that, 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 to me, that's the challenge for the American church. Yeah. And, or is it just a, well, we always go yeah. or I went growing up. And there isn't that love. It's just religion. It's yeah. just, yeah. And we sense. all go through phases like that, but yeah. I, I, I think we're stuck in that phase. Interesting. Right Interesting. Uh, and, and probably more so depending on where you live. Sure. Right? Because I recently heard a story a couple days ago where someone was like, um, they never went to church, but when they moved down south to Nashville— they started going to church, not because they're Christian. Oh, that was that was um, when we were talking to Bethany. Yes, that's right. Bethany yeah, yeah. Jenkins. Yeah, yeah. Yesterday, I think that was like post episode or uh, been, yeah, yeah. It wasn't. We're on talking the air. about like you know here versus the Northeast. Yeah, and yeah. Versus Dallas versus yeah. And she was like, yeah, these people never went to church. They're not even Christian. Yeah, but they're going to church here because it's something you that's do. What you do. <laughs> When she and, asked them, it was like, oh, that's what you that's what you do. Because she was really excited, thinking, oh, this person's become a Christian. No. Yeah. It's bizarre. Bizarre. And and how much more so are you is that normal 
if you grew up here. Yeah. Right. I grew up in Vancouver and it's like no one went to church. Yeah. And when I found someone that went to church, I was like, oh, you're, you're a Christian. And they're like, what? <laughs> doesn't mean they're, and it was just like, what? I don't understand. No, no, I, I go to this one, but I don't really, I don't really know. And it was just interesting to, to see, uh, and then to move down to this culture. So I think that's a really good point. Uh, you know, I, man, so this past Sunday, um, we're in James chapter four, uh, verses like 10 through 12 or something, because that's the kind of church we roll in. Okay, so, so Scott the church, Patty's a pastor. Yeah, so that church, is that like, it'll take you a year to get through James kind of thing? No, it's taking months for okay. sure to get okay. through James. But the big thing was, you know, it's talking about, hey, don't criticize one another. Um, anyone who defames or judges a fellow believer defames or and judges the law. You know, it, the, the interesting thing about it was, uh, the pastor was, con, you know, kind of confessing, being up front with how um, there's been times when he has been negative toward the church or toward the people of the church or, or um, you know, where you're you're just like you totally judge churches and, and church people. So, I, I mean, you know, I found myself in that conversation with Bethany um, totally judging churches here in Nashville because I was talking about, yeah, I in a month from now, I'll be going on vacation with my small group from D.C. because the community was just different there. It, it cost us something, and there, it was just more, I don't know, it was, a, it, was, it was a tighter thing. So one of the things I was convicted then by was, oh, yeah, Sunday we just talked about this, and I was convicted in the service about, you know, sometimes we have this view of churches or the people of the church, and, you know, the point is, hey— that's sacred. Yeah. And that's the Lord's church. Mm, and yeah. you put yourself in a very, very bad spot when you do that. So Yeah. So is that what you would also oh, yeah. say is a, a challenge for the church? I, it's a challenge for the church because um, right now you have so many niches and camps and uh, different people defaming, you know, um, others like we were we were joking uh this, all our examples are from like the last two hours yeah. uh, or the last 24 hours um we were talking about um preachers and sneakers <laughs> and so it's really easy to judge um that because you're like oh this person's wearing a thousand dollar hundreds of dollar pair of sneakers yeah and they still can't jump what <laughs> and they still can't jump that's right <laughs> Um, but you know, we were sharing, I, I told him, I was like, well, I had a guy who, who gave me a, a really nice pair of boots, Ferragamos, and I didn't know what they were even. Yeah. I mean, that's First how backward, ever heard of that. Yeah. That's how backward I was. And, and, and so, you know, I didn't know until I had, um, some of our other staff people go, are those Ferragamos? Like, why are you wearing, how did you? How'd you buy Ferragamos? And yeah. I'm like, I don't know. I just the, yeah. the, the guy I'm discipling gave them to me. I didn't yeah. realize how much they were or anything. Yeah. Um, I don't know how yeah. all that so, fits so back in. But I think I that do fits think in because it's perception. It is totally right? And everything perception. is online, social media, right? It's just kind of that that life online is an extension of yourself. It's an extension and it's an extension of judgment because now we have an opportunity to judge all kinds of people for things that – you know, it goes back to, um, I don't know which podcast we were talking about. You know, you tend to judge yourself based on your intentions. Hmm. 
and you're going to judge others based on, you know, the, you're going to, you're going to, um, attribute motivations to them mm. that they never had. Uh, you know, you're going to make excuses and say, oh, yeah. I made this decision or I did this. It's all based on my environment. Um, you're going to judge that person on, hey, I'm judging what your motivations are. Oh, you're wearing those because you want people to look at you. Or, you know, I do think it's that what social media has done yeah. is, as we've talked about before, it puts you in camps. It naturally puts you in camps. But on top of that, there's algorithms now to make it make the content you see put you in a camp yeah. and make you respond to it because that's what that's what they want. No, for sure, for sure. Um and so I just think that's a it's going to be an ongoing struggle and we're never going to be the church until we can yeah, ex, ex, uh, take ourselves out of that. Yeah. So so my the challenge that I've seen is just all the moral mess-ups in the last few years. Now, it's interesting, right? I mean, growing up, obviously, there's the televangelist scandals here or there or whatever. And and it, it's so interesting to reflect on that. And maybe it's just that I wasn't reading Christian news, quote unquote, or maybe it's just that social media wasn't as big when I was growing up. But other than those massive televangelist scandals, I just didn't hear about all the other ones and maybe the other ones were going on, but I just didn't hear about them. And maybe my, my, and I, I don't really want to, you didn't grow up Baptist Daniel. No. Yeah. So maybe there's, maybe that's it too, but here's the the fascinating thing. Yeah. Here's the fast thing. Uh, The fascinating thing, the last four and a half years being at Lifeway, it's so different when someone messes up, right? Being on this side rather than being a local church pastor as a local church pastor, you're like, well, if I never listen to that guy, like, then, you know, what does it matter? But being here at Lifeway, it's like, it affects everything when one of our published authors or um, there's someone who has a significant ministry that we've helped and that we've been a part of messes up. Oh, you yeah. really feel it in a different way. Yeah. So it's you not, feel it, you feel it in a financial way. I mean, <laughs> yeah. to be just blunt guys, yeah. millions, millions of dollars wasted yeah millions of dollars worth of resources wasted because of poor decisions yeah because you don't print on demand so it's like all these things are sitting in warehouses and people are using and benefiting from these resources people's jobs who had nothing to do with that person's poor decision were gone yeah because (laughs) of millions of dollars worth of stuff both in their organizations and our organization, the the ripple effect of that was massive. Yeah. So I think that's something that's at for the church. How does the church respond to that when there are more and more stories of and it may not public be public It may not be more people messing up, but the news spreads further yes. and faster. So so that you know, the hurt that the 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 church experiences in terms of its perception in the community yeah is felt faster and, and, yes, and further. Completely. All right. So let's get into this research. This was, um, Scott, I'd love for you to just give us some background about the research, what started it, and, and just give us a really good sense of what the research is. Now, once again, I mentioned that this is now the fifth episode, I believe, that we've talked about research with Scott McConnell here. Uh, and for any of those reports and today's report, all you have to do is text the word research to 888 So the number 888 just text the word research and you 
you'll be able to download the research that we're talking about today for free, as well as all the other ones that we've addressed. So Scott, yeah, give us a give us some insight into the research. Yeah, we, we started talking with the Facts and Trends Online staff about the future and kind of the future of the church, what, what's, what's going to impact it. And so, so a series of questions kind of emerged from that that we asked of a thousand pastors in, in, in a phone survey. Hmm. And, uh, and they've done some good writing on it there on Facts and Trends Online, uh, just the, the different topics that, that were addressed. Uh, but I think, it, I, I think it's helpful just to talk through, you know, some of what pastors are concerned about and what they see when they look at the future. So, you know, kind of the opening thing we asked pastors was what most concerns them uh, as they look at the future of their own church, kind of okay. think of locally, not, not, not the big C, but that, but that local church, kind okay. of what, what, what's on the front burner, what, what keeps them up at night. And, you know, pastors are pretty spread out. Uh, you know, we gave them nine different, eight different things to, that they could be saying they're, they're concerned about. Uh, the largest group of pastors, four out of 10, indicated that reaching the next generation is the thing that they're most concerned about okay. as a church. Hmm. Uh, the second biggest was uh, 16% indicating lack of discipleship in their congregation. And, and the third was declining interest in matters of faith, hmm. just in general, thinking probably more about their community uh, in that one rather than inside the church. Uh, so there's a lot of things affecting the church today, and and you know we act, asked about finances, member commitment, uh, demo, changing demographics in their community, uh, public distrust of of Christian churches and hostility, uh, but but those three that popped up to the top was reaching the next generation, lack of discipleship, and and then some declining interest yeah. in faith. You know, just a little fewer people talking about it in the okay. public square. Okay, that's interesting because when you look at the numbers and um, you know, text the word research to 888111 to so that you can see what we're talking about here. But hostility toward Christian beliefs. Man, that's where I was going to go. Oh, was it? Yeah, 2%. Right? I yeah. I would have thought that might have been higher. Well, ask our friends in India. Yeah. I mean, we did a pipeline in India a couple months ago and, you know, there are people in the room that that would have been their number one. Okay. Yeah. So they were, even when you were talking about leadership pipeline, they were talking about hostility? Yes. As because a, part of the part of the issue. As a barrier? Yeah. Oh, wow. Because it costs you something, especially the further north you go in India. Mm. Um, and if you're in Kashmir, I mean, it costs you your life. Wow. So the the interesting thing there is I would say, you know, once again, we should say, hey, these are U.S. numbers. But I would also be interested in the way these numbers – I hope you guys continue to do this research because I'd be interested to know how yeah, these numbers year over year. switch. Yeah. Because like you, I looked down at some of the bottom things, which was um, – Finances of our church, only 5% are concerned about the finances of their church. Granted, I think that should, would be yeah. higher. It's well, granted, granted, it's a pretty good year to be asking that. Oh, okay. you know, it doesn't True. get much better than this. Yeah. You know, but still, we've got in any given year, almost one out of five churches, if not more, are going to be struggling. Yeah. Changing yeah, yeah. demographics, huh. 2040, you know, there's a minority majority. Mm. Uh, and yet, if you look at most churches, they're what's What's reflected on the stage um, does not reflect the future. Yeah. And there's and a life so, cycle to every neighborhood. So that's something be. every church is dealing with, whether it's gentrification on one end of the, the, the spectrum or, uh, or, or you know, po 
older poverty stricken neighborhoods or, or rural areas where, where the population's dropping. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's good. So as you, as you conducted this research, then, uh, what, what do you, what do you find? And, and, you know, you said the reaching the next generation, lack of discipleship, declining interest in matters of faith. Was this research just to pull just to see what the state was or what was, what, what kind of, you know, what, what, what could we do with this or what, what was kind of that next level insight that you've gleaned from it? You know, I, I think these are the, are, are the, the, the difficult things that pastors are ready to address. And so, you know, as we mentioned, they may need to be ready to address a few more of these. Mm. Some of them, they're pretty low on the list in terms of how many picked them. Um, but in terms of what they're ready to address, they're ready to talk about reaching the next generation. They're ready to talk about discipleship in the church. And that's good. We, we need to, uh, because, you know, when, as, as we'll talk more soon, uh, you know, we see young people stepping away from, from church consistently. Mm. Uh, so reaching the next generation is something that we've got to be addressing. Um, you know, discipleship, you know, that's the purpose of the church is making disciples. And so, you know, for their heart to be there is fantastic. Mm. Um, but I mean, some of the difficulties we're having in church today is because we're not doing that well. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So as we look through this research, one of the things that popped out for you, Scott, was uh, what the what the participants had said, had answered about the ethnic diversity. So give us some insight into what the research said there. Yeah, we, we drilled down on on several topics and, and we asked pastors in, in the last five years, have they seen an increase, decrease or or or, or has attendance stayed the same in terms of the ethnic diversity of their church? Mm. And for, for the largest number, for six out of 10, they indicated it stayed the same. There's okay. not been a lot of movement the last five years, but for a third of them, they, they've actually had an increase in the diversity. As we ask about that going forward, uh, the, the numbers almost flip-flop. We actually see that 62% say they expect it to increase in the next five years. Okay. And, and, and hardly anybody say it, says it's going to decline, and 37% expect it to stay the same. So mm-hmm. we've got, we have pastors who are really thinking they're going to see some, some changes within the walls of their church in terms of ethnicity. And, and a similar question related to leadership, uh, in the past five years, 77% said it stayed the same, mm-hmm. the ethnic diversity of leaders in their church, but half— expected to increase in the next five years. Mm. And, and I think it's a, a good question for the two of you as you work with leadership development. How does a church go from really low ethnic diversity, especially among their leaders, to, to actually making progress on that within just within just a couple of years? Yeah, that's it's interesting to think about. I was recently asked this question uh, about how I approach leadership differently as a minority rather than as a part of the majority culture. And it's interesting because, yes, here in Nashville, I am a visible minority, right? Growing up in Vancouver, I was not a visible minority uh, in general. In my high school, there were more non-Asians. There were more Asians than non-Asians. In my elementary school, I was like one of three or four or five Asians, Hmm. right? And then so the interesting thing about this, and I think what I'm about to say is something anyone can learn, but for those who are of a uh, minority ethnicity, it just come. It's just natural for for them to see this, right? So, for example, it's natural for me to see the other, 
in a group. It's natural for me to see the outsiders. It's natural for me to see things from a different point of view and to notice the assumptions that people are communicating because as a minority, I hear all the ways that I don't fit in wow. or even stories that are shared. It's like, well, that's not true for me because I'm the minority, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's so so it comes natural for me to to know how to navigate and to know how to address and know how to do that. Now, I, I, I say all that because that's actually something that can be learned for anyone who is in the majority and has been growing up, right? And what does that mean, right? Like if you grew up in India, right, as an Indian, then you're the majority, yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, and then you come to North Nashville and you're the minority, right? Same with in Korea. And, you know, so it's just, it's highly dependent on the culture and the context that you're in. So I think this is going to be, especially in light of the research, um, and especially with all the research, not just this research, but just the the trending research with immigration and the changing landscape. And, and what is it now? There's more, um, uh, there's more non-English native speakers being born here than English native speakers. And, you know, there's just, there's all this data that's coming out, right? Mm-hmm. That, that, you know, things are going to be shifting. I think for, in light of all this, right, if you are of the majority culture, wherever you're living, wherever you're living, I would say make an intentional effort to go to restaurants where you are going to be the visible minority. Hmm. Yeah. Right. So for example, if you're not Asian and you like eating Chinese food, don't go to Panda Express. <laughs> hey, hey, I don't mind eating at Panda Express, right? There's nothing wrong with that. But don't go to Panda Express if you want Chinese food. Go to a Chinese restaurant in Chinatown where you where they only accept cash. And just see how that feels, right? Because you'll be able to actually uh, you'll be able to actually empathize with those who are of minority cultures in your congregations and in your community, and it'll give you insight into how they feel, right? So I think part of this is, I mean, there's theological books on this as well, right? Mm-hmm. Um, where it's just, how do you just, so how do you view theology? How do you view church practice? How do you view what normal is, right? All of that is through our lens. And if you're a part of the majority culture, you assume that this is how everyone sees it. But it's actually not. Mm. Man, there was another conversation I'm reminded of, of a pastor who was like, hey, if you want to put yourself in this situation, yeah, this is what you do. Hmm. Who was it? It was a recent interview. Well, we have talked about this here and there on the New Churches Q&A podcast. Even, even when you go on vacation to say, you know, the church I'm going to attend on vacation, let me go to a church of a different culture than mine. Yes. Just intentionally. Oh, yeah. And and that will raise those same questions you just talked about and sensitivities um, that that you wouldn't get otherwise. Oh, yeah. I remember going to Houston. Uh, It was a layover, like not even a layover. The flight was canceled and rebooked. So we had a Sunday morning. And man, you know, this is I was living in Canada, right? So Houston, I was like, how many churches can we go visit in Houston? Well, we decided to go uh, at the hotel There's a, or at, at a restaurant. Uh, our server was African-American. And we we're like, hey, where do you, do you go to church? Where do you go to church? Right? So we went to her church. Yeah. Which was complete. It was, we were the, I mean, I was Asian. So, you know, I'm kinda, you know, but then it was me as the Asian and like three other white guys, right? In this 100% African-American church where the service was longer. Preaching was different. It was just a completely different experience. But man, did that ever help me understand uh, African-American churches better. Yeah. 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 Even though the more comfortable thing would have been to go visit, you know, 
said list of how many churches are in Houston. So, so it can be easy for a pastor to, to look toward the future and say, that's that's the future we we desire, we're even working toward in some way. Uh, but you've got to put some intentionality behind that if, if you're going to actually realize that. That's right. That's right. Now, before we go into our next question, which uh, I'm excited to talk about because it's all about women in leadership. I just wanted to share that today's episode is brought to you by Ministry Grid. You know, training your volunteers and leaders is important, but do you ever feel like you don't know where to start? Well, that's why Lifeway Leadership developed Ministry Grid. With Ministry Grid's library of over 3,000 training videos, the work has been done for you and you'll be able to train everyone in your church. And this is training you can trust. Every Ministry Grid video features an experienced ministry leader who has been where you are now. You can even customize that training by adding your own videos, PDFs, YouTube videos, and more. And now, Ministry Grid, it's super simple, only has one plan with one price for unlimited access for your entire church. So, so just go to ministrygrid.com to learn more. Once again, that's ministrygrid.com. All right, so Scott, as we were working through and, and looking through this research, you you pointed out that women in leadership, that that was another significant change or factor that you had noticed. Yeah, that, that was another topic. We kind of had pastors look back and look look toward the future. And uh, the majority of pastors, as they look back, say, we actually have the same number of women in leadership roles as, as prior to, okay. to that. Uh, but 47% say it's increased in the last huh. five years. Only okay. 1% said it de- decreased. So a lot of churches are seeing more women in leadership roles than they have in the past. As we look toward the next five years, the number is almost identical. Okay. Half, half the pastors say, I don't expect it to change. Yeah. Uh, and about 42% say, I'm expecting to see more women in leadership. Um, and so, you know, kind of raises some of the same questions, but might be different answers in terms of leadership development. Uh, you know, if your church doesn't have very many women in leadership roles, uh, you, you know, how, how do you cultivate that? How do you, uh, how do you start thinking that way? What conversations do you need to have to prepare the con- congregation for that? Um, or is it, is it simply the work of, of getting them ready? Yeah, that's interesting. So leadership roles, are you talking about pastoral or staff, or was it just any, or could it be volunteer leader? We, we ask it generically, knowing okay. that that some denominations are going to allow women into in pastoral roles and others okay. will not. And we didn't, we, we weren't asking, are you going to change your theology? Okay, so we you were, had no idea whether they were egalitarian, complementarian, right. or any of that. Okay, correct. Okay, okay. So there's not even, even in the thousand uh, pastors that you had surveyed, this wasn't even. Uh, within a particular denomination. No. And so among those pastors, there's some women uh, yeah, yeah. Know, answering this question. Yeah. Okay. Okay. This is interesting because, you know, as as culture becomes more and more, even with the entire Me Too movement as well, right, you look at biblical complementarianism, biblical egalitarianism, right? They're strong biblical passages and, you know, there's, there's strong arguments on both sides, right? Mm-hmm. Kind of like Calvinism and Arminianism, there are strong arguments on both sides. And then you have this entire spectrum of where people land, but it's interesting culturally. I'm leaving the podcast now. Pardon me? I'm leaving the podcast. I don't want <laughs> to deal with the tweets from this one. Um, however, however, you see culturally, <laughs> right? Regardless of theology, culturally, it's like, well, why wouldn't like, why shouldn't women be in higher positions of leadership, right? Don't we see that? Yeah, I think culturally that's being asked as as we see women in the boardroom, we see women as CEOs, uh, much more common today. Yeah. And, uh, 
you know, yes, is that still a slower road? You know, yes, is there still some wage inequality? Uh, you know, those are questions our culture is struggling with. Mm. Uh, but then, you know, as with a lot of things, the culture then looks at the church and and for some churches that they're seeing, uh, you know, a difference and that they're asking, they ask the why question. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, that's right. And I think when, uh, and, and you know, regardless of whether you land on the complementarian or the egalitarian side, I think just wrestling through the why question is a wise thing to do because for most church members, and I'd even say for a lot of pastors, they just don't know the biblical arguments around both sides. All right. And I would say whether you land on the complementarian or the egalitarian side, and especially if you land on one side or the other, study the other side you because, yeah, because world. yeah, because you just, you just need to know instead of just saying, no, this is what I am. Cause I grew up this way. No, actually study that. And if you, maybe you've never even studied the side that you land on, right? Study that side as well. Cause you'll actually see on both sides, there's a high view of woman, right? And there's a high view of, you know, God loving both men and women. And there's, it's just a different posture I see, because um, I, I have studied both sides, you know, a different posture to how you um, work together and how, you know, there's just that, that whole side of it. Here's the, here's the issue, main, main point of the issue for me is that if you would like to see more people in leadership that are female or of a different ethnicity or different socioeconomic state, yeah, uh, all these things then those things have to be visible. They have to be upfront. You can't just talk about it. You also have to have visible upfront examples of it. So you can say, hey, we want to, we want our church to represent our community around us and our community around us is more diverse than we are. Then you need to have some of that diversity on your stage or in your leadership um, so that people see, oh, this is a place for me. This is a place where I can serve. I'm valued here. All those things. Yeah, and they better so be as saying, talent. They better be super talented. Oh, for sure. Otherwise, it it's just not, looks like tokenism. It, yes, absolutely. Mm, yeah. So, uh, and and two, I would say, coming from a, a, a church that other people would visit and be like, oh, how are you guys? Like, we want to know from you, how are you doing this? And we're like, well, this is just what DC is. I mean, yeah. there's not... There's so many people around us. If we are reaching our community, then, of course, these people are going to be in leadership. These people are going to be attending our church and so on and so forth. So it was. I think we got a pass. It was easy for us. Um, I think we are on the other side of this being like the hot topic issue of the day. Maybe not. Mm. But there was a time where I felt like everybody was talking about diversity, the importance of diversity. And, yes, it is important. But. So much so that you had people that were really concerned about not having diversity in their church, and they would be in the middle of nowhere, you know, Georgia or yeah, Alabama yeah. Or, or somewhere. And I'm like, actually, it would be really difficult. Like, look at the demographics of your community. Yeah. If you're reaching your community, then don't worry about it. Don't yeah. worry about what this you heard at this conference or from this platform or this book, if you're in a place that is diverse, then absolutely reach your local community and make sure you're doing all these things. But otherwise, yeah, don't make this the thing. And that and and see with that, right? And that in particular, and this is coming from a, a Korean Canadian. I mean, this is there's there's one thing to be ethnically diverse, 
but I'm glad, Todd, you brought up the socioeconomic oh, diversity. Sure. That's Huge. a lot of times in, in our day and age. Yeah. That's a much bigger issue. Yeah, because especially for churches, like you said, where oh, hey, like ours. everyone around here is, you know, the city's 90 something percent white. Of course we don't have, you know, and we only have five Asians and two African-Americans and our hundred person church. And okay. Yeah. That makes, that's diverse, right? I mean, you're reflecting your community, but socioeconomically, are you? Is everyone yeah. upper middle? Because there's a there's huge cultural differences based on your socioeconomic. It can uh, be so easy to you know take a few successful business people and put them on a finance committee, and that yeah. that may make a lot of sense. But when all your other leadership groups are also filled by those same people, <laughs> yes. then yeah. everybody in the service <laughs> sector, everybody in a manufacturing job yeah. or a construction <laughs> job, looks at that and goes, I, "You're that's asking not me for to me. give what for this campaign? You're asking me to do what? Yeah." Oh, I don't have the same disposable income as the person who came up with this idea or came up <laughs> with this plan. So, yeah, this is going to be a little bit different for me and my family. Mm, mm. No, that's uh, that good. That stuff has to be con considered for sure. Yeah. No, that's really good. All right. So last question. And once again, text the word research to the number 888 to download this and all the other research we've talked about. But, yeah, guys, what do you think? I mean, in light of everything we've just talked about, what encouragement would you give the church leaders listening in as to maybe something that they can do this week, next week, the coming month, uh, in light of all this? I, I, I think, I think a, a lot of it comes down to what you're encouraging us to do right now, which mm. is to have a next step in mind. Yeah, if yeah. you're not taking steps towards some of these goals you have as, as a leader uh, for your church, you're not going to get there. Mm. Uh, you, you know, there's a lot of optimism from pastors about almost eight out of 10 thought their church was going to grow numerically in the next yeah. five years. And, and yet, you know, that that's more that's, than twice yeah. the number that saw any growth in the, <laughs> yeah, in the past five. So, you know, we're not going to get there just because we want to. Mm. Um, and, and obviously we, we, we don't want to discount God's, you know, God's role in, in us looking more like the church he wants us to be. Yeah. Um, but even that is a tangible thing for us to be asking for. Yeah. At least praying is a mm. tangible uh, is a tangible step you can be taking. And so, you know, don't go through this week without, you know, taking a step yeah. toward the where you want your church to be in no. five years. That's really good. I would say, um, I mean, you know, not to make yet another plug for the research, but download this research yeah. and then take that PDF and share it with, I don't know, three to five people. Some of those could be staff. Some of those could be key people in your church and process that over a meal or coffee or a meeting before service or, or whenever you can gather together, but say, hey, I want us to walk through this. If you have particular areas you'd like to highlight, great. But the big thing is where are we doing well and where do we have room for improvement? Mm. Because it may surprise you. You may think like a lot of these pastors you may, you may be looking at this through rose-colored glasses, and you may not be able to see, you know, the forest for the trees. Um, you have these perceived notions. You you have what you already are expecting to see, whereas somebody that is not necessarily from the outside, um, they could be from the inside, they're going to have a different look than maybe the staff would. So I'd say if you're going to do that, make it a good blend of, you know, staff and non-staff and 
Um, if you find success there, then maybe schedule a couple more meetings and have somebody who's been at your church less than a year. Um, or maybe one of the minorities in your church. Yeah. Or maybe yeah. one of the women in your church. Yeah, um, no, that's that's exactly where I was going to go to. And, and you know, there's a lot of people we've so heard. Wise. <laughs> Uh, there's a lot of people who've actually, they take the new church's Q and a podcast episodes and they'll play it in front of a staff meeting and discuss it. And I think, uh, part of this is if you're listening and and you're still listening right now, it means this is, you're highly interested and you're trying to figure this out. So yeah, I agree with Todd, grab the research, share it with your team, uh, share the episode, this episode too, and be like, Hey, as you're driving in to work or driving here or there or wherever, just listen to this episode, share the episode with them so that they get a context. Cause not everyone's this, the research, some people are just going to, it's just going to go over their head because maybe they're not a number guy, but for, for those who like the numbers and like that, they can, I mean, it's 42 pages <laughs> of graphs and charts. And so, so I think a, an easy way to begin the discussion is having people listen to this episode. And for those who want to dig deeper in the research, the other thing that I would say though, is if you're trying to figure out which meetings to have this in, consider, I agree everything, you know, with what Todd said with, you know, staff meetings, who to invite and all that stuff. But I would also encourage you to consider creating a temporary workforce or a temporary team where no one's in charge of anyone else. So it's you can extend this out to your entire staff, to your entire church. Hey, we're going to have this meeting. We just want a few people where if you're interested in, in how to help the church reach the next generation or, or you know, even how to, how to help the church engage culture or whatever it is, come and we want to process this together. And by having it where no one's anyone else's boss. And even if you are where that person isn't leading the meeting, I think you'll get a different level of engagement than if it was a, if it was within a formal team. Awesome. Well, thanks again for listening into this episode. Uh, if you want Scott to come back, I mean, we're going to have him back. <laughs> we're going to have him back whether you want him to be back oh, or not. Yes. But if there's any particular topics that you would love for Text him to address, yes to <laughs> hold me off the island. No I will way give you Scott McConnell's personal cell number. <laughs> no, uh, hit us up on Twitter, on social media, wherever we're reached and, and just let us know. Let us know if there's anything else you'd want us to cover with Scott, because having him on is a is we enjoy doing it and, and we'd love for to hear from you as well. I Fantastic. just want to note, I restrained myself from singing, let us know, let us know. <laughs> I have a daughter, so. Yeah. Have you listened to the lyrics of that song? No. It's brutal. Is it? Yeah. No, it's a really catchy really. song. I like it. But the lyrics are kind of. don't really. Like, do you really want your dark. kids to live up according to those values? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's fascinating. It's, it's I just pre- No, I just preached on that, so that's why I'm. Anyway, I didn't preach against Let It Go. Anyways, this is we're going on a sidetrack. Hey, last thing before we go, Group Answers Podcast with Chris Surratt and Brian Daniel are part of the Lifeway Leadership awesome. Podcast Network. Uh, that's the wrong one. What? Awesome is the Aust- the Aussies. Oh, I, uh, it's not all about you. I'm not always <laughs> making fun of you. There we go. Well, thanks again for listening in. Be sure to check out Group Answers on your favorite podcasting app, and we'll catch you guys next time.